Good morning. Um, thank you, Gail. One plus one equals three is the essence of our sermon. Um, well, I'm tempted to tell a little joke, too, about the ark. Do you know why they didn't play cards on the ark? Because Noah was sitting on the deck. Anyway, God's gracious help and well-being, grace and peace to each one of you on this first Sunday of the fall season, September, October, and November. Having some nice rain. Wasn't yesterday and Friday perfect days? Those were just perfect days. I was taking a walk in my neighborhood. One of my neighbors that I stop and visit with, I said, we've had a wonderful summer. And he said, oh, it's been a terrible summer. And I think he was referring to the virus and I was referring to the number of sunshiny days. So it's a good time and a stressful time. So how are we doing? I think even for optimistic people, even optimistic people can have a tendency to be sad during this time. So it has been stressful. One person told me, I haven't seen some of my grandchildren since December. And that's uh, difficult. It's different. But our text today is one of comfort and reassurance. One plus one equals three. Jesus is present in the space between us. When we communicate and dialogue, and Jesus gives us some instructions on how this should happen. Let's begin with prayer. Holy Spirit, breath of God, please be present. Bring comfort to us and instruction. Help us to live into this text and strengthen our church community so that it will thrive. We give you thanks. Amen. Have you ever heard the rule, if you can't say something good about someone, don't say anything? Um, have you found that to be helpful? Helpful rule. How far does it really go? Um, it may be helpful sometimes, but it is not what Jesus is teaching in this text, being silent. In a church family, we are all together responsible for our goals, which are spiritual growth, uh, maturity, hospitality, spiritual transformation. For instance, preaching is dialogue with the assembled body. Listeners are partners in the preaching process. As Lori Carroll says in her book, Preaching That Matters, we are mutual meaning makers. Our purpose is mutual community, spiritual growth and hospitality. So helpful criticism is important. Things need to be said. People benefit from criticism. The same goes for all our work, not just preaching, but all activities. Our text today advocates healthy, direct dialogue between two persons in a community where relationships are important. So this is not just a private thing. This is, talks about the fabric and the health of the church. 
please take your insert, which has the Matthew text on it. We will use that. So it is not willed before your Father in heaven that one of these little ones perish. In this chapter 18 of Matthew, little ones are ordinary Christians like you and me. But if your fellow member commits a wrong against you, go reprove him between you and him only. Now remember these words, reprove and between. Reprove can mean correct, but it also can mean set forth, put forth, uh, bring to light set something in the space between the two of you. And between can refer to the relationship, but it can also refer to that space between two people. So go reprove him between you and him only. And we can substitute she and her, all of these. If he listens to you, you have gained your fellow member. But if he does not listen, take along one or two more in order that on the basis of evidence from two or three witnesses, every matter may stand firm. So Jesus is quoting Deuteronomy 19.15 concerning two or three witnesses. Now this morning, I'm limiting committing a wrong to the sequelae and results of one form of indirect communication. Now Jesus is advising direct communication. One form of indirect communication is called triangulation. A wrong is committed when a little one in this chapter or an ordinary Christian is hurt by indirect communication. Now, indirect communication includes rumor, which is misinformation, gossip, which may have some truth, pass-through communication, and triangulation. And we're going to concentrate on a triangulation. So if you take your bulletin insert, it has a couple triangles here. If you look um, in a triangle, there's a persecutor and a victim. The victim thinks that the persecutor has done something not quite right or wrong, and a rescuer. Now, if we look at the triangle, which has the names there, Harry, uh, in the book where I got this triangle, he was part of the decorating committee. And Marie didn't like the way flowers were arranged. So instead of going to Harry, she went to a person, she went to Roy, another person. Now this might be a leader in the church or some, some person. Now Roy has a responsibility here. Roy could say, well, why don't you go and talk to Harry? Your points are good. This is something that Harry needs to hear. Why don't you go and talk to him? Or Roy could say, could we arrange a meeting, the three of us? We'll sit down and talk about this a little bit. Or Roy could say, all right, I'll talk to him. I think you have a good point, but I want to use your name. I want to tell him who's talked to me so things are out in the open. And our goal is upbuilding the church, of course, strengthening the body. Uh, now, if this were the case, Roy, you see these lines between the people? Let's imagine a single line between Roy and Marie. Uh, in family systems, uh, diagrams, a single line is a good relationship, normal relationship. A broken line is a broken relationship, fractured relationship. Two lines are a close relationship. Three lines are fusion or enmeshment, you know, too, uh, too close. 
So if there were just one line between Marie and Roy, Roy would want to stay on good terms with Marie and Harry. But if Roy gets uh, drawn into a triangulation sort of uh, dynamic, uh, you know, he might not have any intention of going to speak uh, to Harry. Uh, Harry is the person on the, the outlier here, on the far point of the triangle. And so we could put two lines there then. And uh, uh, then if uh, Roy and Marie have this, uh, perhaps you could call it a secret, you could put three lines then, it's the beginning of a click, uh, or if more people are involved, uh, uh, even a faction. Or if Roy would, uh, instead of talking to Harry, maybe bring it to a leadership team when Harry is not present. Um, uh, and then that uh, uh, has the potential for even uh, more isolation for Harry. So Harry is, is wronged here. A wrong has been committed because Harry would benefit from this feedback that Marie has. Um, and, and Harry really hasn't done anything wrong, rearranging the flowers. We could use other examples. What if Harry's a worship leader and Marie says, uh, well, I can't hear you. I can't, goes to Roy and says, I can't hear uh, Harry. And uh, Roy, instead of encouraging the two of them to get together, uh, takes this to another place where Harry isn't present, for instance. Or let's say, you know, Harry is preaching. Harry's the preacher. And Marie says, well, I can't follow your thought thread. Goes to Roy and says that. So now uh, Marie and Roy have something uh, together. And uh, uh, if, if Roy isn't careful, he gets into this triangulation uh, sort of. I think you all know what I'm talking about. If you've, if you've been in a church uh, very long, you know some real uh, uh, examples. Um, and again, the critique as far as for worship leaders or people working on decorating or pastors, preachers, often it's very good. It's something they need to hear. But it may not get back to them or it may get back to them in a, a hurtful manner. So a person is hurt by not receiving the feedback or not receiving it in a loving manner. Uh, we'll look at a roadmap in just a minute to help people in Roy's position and all of us to resist being drawn into the role of rescuer. Now, I've been blessed recently to have received really helpful feedback. One person came and talked to me directly, and, uh, and we prayed, she, you know, this person prayed. This is a real blessing. Uh, I was included, you know, the elders have asked for feedback. I was included in an email uh, that was sent to the elders. So this is uh, a blessing, you know. Uh, this is a chance to engage in situations further. And the elders, again, had some feedback, and this person's name was used. I respect that so much, and I can ponder and take these things seriously and repent and change. Um, uh, so I've, I'm very thankful. I've been blessed to receive some helpful, fairly direct feedback. So what's at stake here? What's at stake is the health of our congregation, basically. That's what's at stake the vibrancy of a congregation. We don't want factions, cliques. We don't want people being hurt, left out of the loop, where restoration and growth are not happening. Let's continue with this text. And if he refuses to listen to them, speak to the assembly. But if he refuses to listen to the assembly, may he be to you just as the Gentile and the tax collector. 
Truly I say to you, whatever things you may bind on the earth shall have been bound in heaven, and whatever things you might loose on the earth shall have been loosed in heaven. Again, truly I say to you that if two of you on the earth are of one mind about any matter, whatever they, the two, might ask, it shall be granted to them from my Father in heaven. For of which matter or where two or three have gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So this is an amazing text. Any deed, event, happening, matter of concern or contention needs to be brought to light, set forth in the space between two persons directly. When these two persons gather, calling on Jesus in prayer and naming Jesus and seeking God's will, Jesus will be in the space, in the middle of them. The words translated reprove him can also mean bring it to light, set it forth in this space, examine it carefully. Between, the next word in that sentence can refer to the relationship between two, the members and also the space between them. So by the Holy Spirit, something can be put in that space, and uh, Jesus is present in that space. And there's uh, an art uh, uh, by Hachi, I think, that illustrates this. There are two people from um, uh, the disciples of Emmaus. I don't think they had maybe contention or argument, but it shows that Jesus is in that space. Then Peter, after approaching, said to him, Lord, how many times my fellow member shall commit a wrong against me and I shall release him? As many as seven times? Jesus says to him, I say to you, not as many as seven times, but as many as 77 times. So some theological reflections here. There are three levels of communication in our text. We're focusing on the first level, the face-to-face -face level. But I'd like to reflect a little bit on this whole chapter, chapter 18. Our preaching text and our tradition has at times, unfortunately, been focused on church discipline, which has sometimes included banning people, excluding, expelling people from membership, excommunication. This is unfortunate. Because if we look at this whole chapter, we see that the emphasis is not as on no one being lost. That's the emphasis in this chapter, no one being lost. We are to practice humility like children and self-awareness of our own stumbling. The shepherd, which includes each of us and ourselves as a faith community, goes after the one sheep that has gone astray. This is verses 10 to 14. Tax collectors and sinners were Jesus' friends whom he cared about and ate with. They are objects of mission, as Ulrich Lude says in his book, Theology of the Gospel of Matthew. They are objects of mission and are included as the community follows Jesus' example. Indeed, Matthew himself is a tax collector. They are the ones open to the good news of the kingdom. In the parable following our text, verses 23 to 35, Jesus makes clear that God wants us to forgive as we have been forgiven. And we'll pray this in our Lord's Prayer before long. So restorative and redemptive righteousness. Forgiveness which is not only personal but from a forgiving community. Richard Gardner makes that point in a Believer's Church Bible commentary. This does not sweep sin under the rug or avoid it. To be a disciplined church means that sin is clearly named. Again, this is Ulrich Luz. That's what we're doing today. 
We are talking about communication that hurts ordinary Christians, the little ones. And we're naming that as sin. The other aspect of church discipline in this text, in addition to restoration and forgiveness, is doing things in an orderly way. Jesus lays out an orderly way. In the image of God, our creator, appropriate bounds and order prevent chaos and anarchy. So in creation, God established borders and bounds. So Jesus is establishing an orderly way to approach things here. Gail, do you have the painting from Hachi on the computer there? Is it on? There we go. Good. Thank you. Okay, there's the painting from Hachi. It shows two people at table and Jesus is in the midst, at the space between. I think that's very comforting. You just leave that up and we can ponder that a bit. So application, transformational goals for spiritual growth. Direct healthy communication is a gift from Jesus for both persons. We should communicate directly and not attempt to bring someone into the role of rescuer. When we are wronged by triangulation, isolated, not helped, then we need to follow Jesus' teaching. These are courageous conversations. Melody M. Panel in September of the Mennonite in her article, Reimagining the Beloved Community, points out that dialogue, sharing ideas, human conversation build God's kingdom. There will be discomfort, but issues are brought out in the open space where Jesus is present. We will need to hang out in uncertainty and practice self-awareness. Courageous, deliberative dialogue asking for Jesus' presence for the Holy Spirit's direction includes careful listening and honoring and identifying shared values. This is the point that Leah Shade makes in her book, Preaching in the Purple Zone. Uh, church should be able to talk about social justice issues, but also issues uh, between people in the congregation. And we have shared values, even if we differ, we can look for shared values. I'm sure Jesus would want direct conversations to be done in a nonviolent, loving manner. Nonviolent communication, a good abbreviation for this is ONFR, refers to stating our observations, our feelings, our needs clearly, and our requests. Pastor Eric talked about a love sandwich last week. And following our text and bringing helpful critique, it's good to have a sandwich with appreciation and encouragement on both sides of the criticism. I'm sure you've heard of that. A spoonful of sugar helps the medicine go down. In some cultures, cups of tea are of help. Jesus joins these two disciples at table. And remember words from Proverbs, wise persons welcome rebuke and advice. Give instruction to the wise and they will become wiser still. Another aspect of wisdom is knowing the 90% rule. Do you know the 90% rule? means if someone comes to you with an opinion about something, about an issue, maybe 10% has to do with the issue. Maybe 90% has to do with something going in, on inside the person themselves. And so wise people know how to listen and to realize that this is the case. 
So by God's grace, we listen, communicate directly, and repent. Ruth and McClintock, authors of a book called Healthy Disclosure or Healthy Conversation, recommend having a communication roadmap to prevent indirect communication, including triangulation, and promote transparency. Our covenant of conduct helps leaders encourage direct communication. She says, for healthy information management, congregational leaders must teach everyone courageous, first-person, truth-filled communication. If you want to take the insert covenant of conduct, um, you can see it says it's revised in 2020. Well, that means there probably will be another revision. I can think of one thing we left out. We, we don't say real explicitly that leaders should encourage people to go to another person and speak directly. That's not as clear as it should be. Let's look down at seven. I'm going just a couple of high points. In interest of direct healthy communication, leaders may want to facilitate meetings accompanying persons when helpful, especially where a perceived power imbalance is present. Number nine gives some flexibility. If permission for use of a member's name is not given, even after the leader has stated his or her preference not to receive or respond to anonymous comments or letters, the leader should consider the validity of the comments and whether they are useful for building up the church. He or she may want to consult with at least one other leadership person. Leader might say something like, I will bring your concern to the group in a spirit-led manner at a time when it will be helpful. So it gives the leader some flexibility. They're not going to say, since you don't allow your name to be used, I'm not going to consider this. This gives uh, some flexibility. And number 12 on the second page. Uh, meeting agendas shall be circulated prior to all official meetings in order for participants to prepare properly. This is just uh, respect. Uh, it's a form of uh, direct communication, so no one is surprised when they get to a meeting by something on the agenda that involves them. And the last one, anonymous gifts are received with names attached by the church moderator, stewardship elder, and church treasurer. Donations will be used for projects authorized by the leadership team. This procedure provides checks and balances so that decisions are made appropriately without undue influence. So I think this, uh, this is important, the way we handle um, uh, money that's given. So anyway, this is healthy, open communication. The goal is to build up the church and not hurt anyone. The goal is to help people grow. Uh, feedback is important. This takes a lot of courage, and, and sometimes we just don't have the time to do this. We don't take time to do it. Uh, it takes, you know, prayer. But the wonderful good news of the gospel is that Jesus is in the space between two people. When things are set forth in Jesus' name, Jesus is named, called on, Jesus is present. That's the really good news. So I would say in this COVID-19 season, gather in Jesus' name with one or two others, maybe on a porch or in a park, inside with distancing or FaceTime, Jesus is in your space. Arrange to meet someone you would like to get to know or catch up with or have a disagreement with. Jesus' rule, this is sometimes called the rule of Christ, is difficult. It's difficult sometimes when someone asks you your opinion about someone else uh, and you haven't discussed these things directly with a referenced person. It's, it, don't let yourself be pulled into uh, 
You know, this is a time when maybe the old rule, if you can't say something nice, don't say anything, maybe that is helpful at that uh, point. But the most important thing is to, you know, keep communicating in a loving way. Try to avoid getting pulled into a triangulation situation. Care enough about the person referenced uh, that in the church community, love enough to communicate directly. So care enough in your triangle about Harry. You know, um, no one should be hurt. No one should be hurt at Metamore Mennonite Church by indirect communication. And people should be helped. So we're beginning our fall quarter. Um, uh, Gene Sears will be preaching next week. Uh, Randall Keeler will be filling in. Uh, Sarah Tunal. So please pray with expectant expectation uh, for all of us. Um, it'll be exciting to see what themes emerge during this time. This morning, our underlying theme is health in the body. How can the body be healthy with good communication? Let's pray. Thank you, Jesus, for the good news in this text. You are willing to be present when asked in the space between us as we set forth issues for discussion. Holy Spirit, help us value community and peace. Give us courage. Help us to take time. Please bless this congregation with love and upbuilding. Amen.